Hey students, welcome to episode 49 of the Film Student Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Lazzaroni. My guest this week is Cindy Lowe, my classmate in the Cyan cohort. We talk about her multitude of creative pursuits, the unspoken rules on cruise ships, and the famous UCB cage match performance by improv team Bucky. On with the show. I come from Southern California, and I was a tour guide previous, prior to this, and uh, you know, comedy has been always been a big part of my life, mm-hmm. and uh, I, you know, I, I know that there is a second city out there in Hollywood, mm-hmm. but I just thought, coming out to Chicago, this is where it was born, why not? And this program, I read all the classes in the curriculum, and it sounded like a plus to me. Yeah. Everything, filmmaking, learning about audio, lighting, everything. It's a lot just, of the technology, which you get here though, and, and it's, you learn about it, but you learn about it like out of necessity, not as part of the <laughs> curriculum. Like we get like one class covering each of those topics and that's pretty much it. And the rest of it's like hands-on learning. That is correct. I Or watching I, somebody else do it that knows what they're doing. <laughs> I felt like sink or swim kind of thing. They just kind of threw us into the deep end of the pool. Mm-hmm. I felt that. I don't have a filmmaking background. and uh, But you do have a creative background. I do. Um, I mean, what else? Am I? I'm, I'm a performer, mm-hmm. musical theater background. I sing jazz. I'm a painter, watercolor portrait artist, mm-hmm. and... Uh, I'm a trained voiceover artist, and uh, have you have you done some voiceover work? I have. Like what kind of stuff? Uh, I've I've done something for Robbie. Oh, really? Yeah, Robbie Martineau, for his Good Grief. Okay. Um, yeah, his six uh, short film. Yeah. Thing you have going. a very you have a very metered voiceover delivery because I remember your term one the the photo reel of all the. Catalina Island <laughs> photos and the history of it and it, it does have a very I can tell you you were like a tour guide like yeah. you've got you've got that <laughs> flow as far as like how, how the topics move from one to the next and you know the the fill in jokes and things like that to drop in yeah I, I did that for six years <laughs> that was fun I came to a point though in my tour guiding career I mean I loved it and I did very well I'm very good at what I did, Mm -hmm. but I came to a point where I wasn't creating, being more creative. Yeah. I hit a ceiling, if you will, and uh, this is where I... You need some sort of outlet to move into. Well, yeah. I decided to go ahead, and I found out about this school uh, through a scholarship that I was applying for two years straight, the Emerging Voices Scholarship. Mm -hmm. Through NBC Universal Studios, mm-hmm. and so which is coming up again here soon. Yes, right? yeah. yes, 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 and it's attached to the Bob Curry Fellowship. Yeah, and uh, then I saw in the same website, Harold Ramis Film School, and I just thought, "Huh, let me read this. Do I qualify? What is this all about?" I decided to go ahead and throw my name in the hat mm-hmm. and apply. Yeah, and I was accepted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you keep you. You've said before. You're like, I don't know why. I don't <laughs> know why. You, should, you shouldn't. You've got you've got jobs. I. <laughs> <laughs> Were you writing sketch stuff before coming here? I. You know, when I was doing the tour guide gig, mm-hmm. 
I wrote my own material. Right. And uh, I learned, I was like a stand-up, but I'm driving the Hummer, so I can't really look at my audience. Yeah. So it's... It's still crowd work. It's it still, is. Because that's, that's the one thing I feel like, I've never done stand-up, but I don't feel like it would be that bad of a transition for me. And, you know, any stand-ups that are listening to this are like, yeah, that's what he thinks. Uh, but, like, I, I did training in front of, you know, up to 80 people at a time. And cracking jokes and stuff like that in front of a group like it's still it's crowd work yeah you, you at least learn that side of it so then when it's coming around to creating the material it's like oh i just gotta write a couple jokes to have in my back pocket in case the crowd's not great but yeah like <laughs> i i've kind of wanted to go uh to like an open mic and just sign up and not have any material prepared and just see what see if i can make some people laugh just you know i think you should i i know that i should try to do it it's the thought of it kind of scares me yeah but that's everything worth doing is scary you know i agree <laughs> i agree it's just like the improv classes yeah <laughs> <laughs> you you uh you were oftentimes last one out of the improv classes <laughs> yeah for, for, for trying out stuff but it was it was always great because then you always had a cheering section because we're like cindy go go cindy you can do it go <laughs> go go I, I always thought that that would be my forte. Yeah. Because I don't have a filmmaking background. And uh, comedy is, like I said earlier, comedy is very important to me. Mm -hmm. I love making people laugh. It's very addictive. It's like drugs. And I live off that. Yeah. But the improv classes, it's just different from drama class and acting class and... Even musical theater, we were singing the stuff, but improv is... It's, it's, you know, uh, jumping without a net. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's that there's no material to fall back on. Everything you just mentioned, drama, music, uh, yeah. you know, uh, sketch, all that stuff, you always have something to fall back on. And if the, if the joke that you just did said didn't work, you've got the next one to go to. Versus improv, it's like, if, if what you just said didn't get a laugh, like... There's no guarantee the next thing is it has a shot of getting a laugh. Like it's it can feel scary, but yeah, I agree. But that's part <laughs> of part of why you practice it. Like, and and I know improvisers that are veterans and still have crap shows. Oh, from time to time. Um, you ever heard of? Have you heard of Ascat out in uh, New York? It's, no. It's a specific show and format that they created, uh, and it consists of. They have a guest monologist that comes up and tells a story based on an audience prompt. So mm -hmm. gets a word from the audience. That makes me think of this story, and they tell a personal life story. And then these improvisers are all in the back line listening to the story. They come out, and they do a run of scenes based on that story. Uh, depending on who the monologist is, if they're an improviser, sometimes they'll play in. But more often than not, they go like sit down or sit in the back or something like that yeah. and watch the show. Then they do a break, and then the monologist comes back. They do another prompt with another story, and then they do another set uh, based off that. Uh, but the ASCAT format, f like the name, came from a bad improv set with, like, it was Amy Poehler and Matt Smith, who's on Veep, and yeah. uh, um, Horatio Sands, and like just a bunch of you know big wig uh, um, improvisers that came out of the New York scene. They just had a bad show one night where they wound up wandering around the stage going, ass, cat, ass, 
cat. <laughs> what? And somehow that, and they, they were like, this is hysterical. They all thought it was really funny that they just bombed so badly, despite all being, you know, rock stars of the format. And they created a show based off that and took the name. So it's Ass Cat with three S's, three or four S's in mm-hmm. it. Is that how they spell it? But. <laughs> That's <laughs> but that's interesting. That's where the name came from. It was just, like it happens to the to the, you know the most veteran, and in that case, they just leaned into it and created a show based off of it. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's interesting. I like to hear things like that. Yeah, it's like it happens. So you know, yeah, it is what it is. But so, what are your? So you mentioned comedy is a big influence. For what? Uh, who are your people? Who are your uh, comedic influences? Well, I I admire. Uh, Bill Murray. I yeah. one day want to meet him. Yeah. I mean, I've heard stories that that he, you know, that he's difficult. But you know what? I still want to meet him. And yeah. him, Steve Martin, Martin Short. I mean, I, I, you know, the the uh, Murray's difficult. It it's difficult with certain workflows. Like if yeah. you work if you work with him and work his style, I yeah. think it, I think it would probably be fine. Like. We were well, getting it from McNaughton, and you know <laughs> who's got his own workflow, and it's if you don't fall in that, like. Well, that's true. That's true. Uh, but, I mean, I, I read that he had a difficult relationship with Lucy Liu. Oh yeah. From that Charlie Angels movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I, I heard some of that story too. <laughs> I just, I don't know what happened, but I still would like to talk to him. Yeah. You know, and get his insight and. Yeah, it's just wonderful. You know, I was first uh, exposed to Second City. I don't think I ever heard of Second City. I don't know why. Yeah. But I heard it when I worked on the cruise ship. Yeah. The Norwegian cruise lines on the Pride of America out there in Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And surprisingly enough, uh, one of our professors, Jeff Griggs, was one of the performers, performers yeah. on board. And that's how I was exposed to Second City. They were so nice. And, uh, you know, I was a youth counselor, and we rotate on ages, age groups, and when I become a teen mm-hmm. counselor, I have the them come in, and they actually taught some improv games yeah. to the teens, and that was very nice of them. Yeah. They didn't have to do it. Uh, it was their day off or their night off. And uh, they it do was that a lot because when, when they go to DC, they'll go do even though they have, they have like a, a run at like Willie Mammoth Theater in DC, they'll still come over and like after a Herald night on a Tuesday night at like 11 o'clock, they'll come do like a bonus set and just show up. Like uh, I saw, um, uh, oh, what's the name of it with Frank Coyote? And um, oh, I'm blanking on all the names, uh, uh, something. Elephant something rhinoceros, I can't remember, but it's 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 uh, no uh, ostrich something or other it's something ostrich anyway, <laughs> but it's uh, ostrich cowboy. I think it's ostrich cowboy. It's a duo, and yeah. they they were doing a run over at at uh, at um, Willie Mammoth, and they just came over and did like a set one night, and it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Oh, uh, <laughs> it was so great, and you know, and then I get here and I see Frank Hetty walking through the hall one day, and and. <laughs> It's just like, oh right, this you know this thing that was like a once in a, once a year, once every two years thing in in DC is regular every day here. You can see those people all over the place. Yeah, but it's great that they, they, they were super generous. And they were really nice to come over and do that. Like they didn't, they weren't. It wasn't a paid gig or anything like that. Like it was just a chance to come perform one more time in front of more people. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, I mean, I was a youth counselor on board and, you know, I, I actually did a no-no. You know, normally the, the crew staff doesn't uh, entertain or, well, befriend the entertainment. Yeah. And so I didn't know that. You what, know, so. is it is there a reason behind that or is it just it's that's just how it unspoken works? there is a i guess there was a hier- hierarchy yeah you know they're above everything i guess this is how they felt yeah and when i broke that rule i befriended musicians the magicians the the you know the guest bands uh the singers the yeah and the comedians yeah the stand up and uh, Second City. Yeah. And there's definitely a difference between stand-ups and improvisers. Oh, my goodness. Stand-ups, it's all about picking at people. <laughs> They're they merciless. Didn't, it, it, it was very interesting. They did not get along. Yeah. No, that doesn't surprise me. I've That I've seen. They didn't get along. And I asked them, why? Because they, so separately, they said that they're they're better. <laughs> and the stand-up would say, no, they're better. Each improv, <laughs> and I know enough people that do both that that are like, yeah, they both have valid points. Like, <laughs> there are things that you have to be better at for stand up. Like, you got to be better at writing for stand up. You know, you could you could be a terrible writer and be a great improviser, um, but vice versa, you could be a great stand up and have a great written material. But if you can't, you know, work on your feet and roll yeah. the punches, like, oh, you're correct. But I I think that stand ups could have could do. Oh yeah, the improv. Because they have hecklers out there. I watch some yeah. of these stand-ups and how they kind of respond to these hecklers. And then they come back with a really funny response. And it's very um, uh, impromptu. Yeah. So it's Spur of the moment. Spur of the moment. And it's fantastic. They do think on, on their own. And they, they just don't see it. Yeah. That they are improvising as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just interesting. <laughs> so just give them a framework to work with or something. I think so. Yeah. yeah. They have to get together though sometimes on the cruise ship. Yeah. Because uh, sometimes they they need judges or something. They okay. have activities involving the passengers and crew staff. And I had to, I was kind of wrangled into dancing with the America Stars. Mm-hmm. And what that is, you have a crew member and you pair them up with a passenger and you're dancing with them. Yeah. And then at the end, when the, the music stops, then the panel of judges, which is probably Second City judges, Jeff Griggs was up there, and uh, uh, Bill Hildebrandt to stand up. Yeah. And maybe the cruise director was up there. They're judging you. The celebrities on board. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But we're, we're, you know, we're not professionals. We're just trying to dance really nicely. <laughs> 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 And then I do get kind of booted off like the first or the <laughs> second one. Because, <laughs> I mean, I love to dance, but, uh, you know, and the thing that I, I love to do is the running man. So that kind of keeps me in the game. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she does a good running man. Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. I'm glad you noticed that. Thank you. <laughs> keep me in there. <laughs> well, yeah, keep, yeah. And it's about applause. Yeah. Uh, from the audience, who do you like? And it's just political. <laughs> it's it's, it's about your partner. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a, it's a popularity contest at that point in time. Yes. I'm so. like, what? <laughs> You're voting off? me off. What? What? 
You mean the stewards doing better than I'm doing? <laughs> <laughs> so what uh, what did you get at most out of this past year? Because we've now wrapped up as of like a week ago, graduated, not even. Yeah, I guess it was a week ago, a little over a week ago now. Uh, what uh, did you get the most out of in this program? The writing program is very good. Yeah. And uh, I've always been a, I always thought that I was a good writer, but it was a different type of writing because mm-hmm. through college it was technical writing uh you know sciences that i have a bachelor's of science in child psychology so it's a just different type of writing mm-hmm. and then i wrote for a local newspaper out there in southern california and newspaper writing is very precise very specific mm-hmm. and then when you ha- combine it with creative writing and because i've had I've taken some classes, creative mm-hmm. writing classes, and their format is a little different. This yeah. is screenwriting, so it's different. And I, I really think I've improved mm-hmm. in my writing. And then also I found out I'm a director. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my first term. I know everyone is you know, looking at me. I'm sitting in the very back, like improv class. I'm just the last person to speak and... Uh, I just don't know enough mm-hmm. to ask questions mm-hmm. and what questions to ask or what to respond. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I am a performer as well. So I see that when we do bring actors in to perform these scenes, whether it be a prepared scene or our own writing, uh, we just, I, I just, I personally didn't know how to do that. I had yeah. been a teacher before and it, I've heard directors are teachers as well but it's mm-hmm. just a, it's different and uh, you have to learn how to talk to them pull a good performance from them without breaking them mm-hmm. <laughs> and without telling them how to perform it telling them how to say it and I think I learned that and then the second term I just they they pulled pulled it out of me you know you, the more practice that you do yeah. and, and this is what I did I when we had a, a known script Directing actors with the known script, bridesmaids, and mm-hmm. then uh, our own script. It got me more practice. Mm-hmm. It just, uh, I got more confident. Yeah. And then third term, when I, we had to do our own short film with our own script, it was kind of scary. Mm-hmm. And even though it was only a two-day shoot, film shoot, and it was just a very scary thing to do. But on set... It was comfortable. Mm-hmm. I want it to be fun, but I want it to be professional. And it was. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm, I am happy with my my actors and how they performed their performances. It's Wait. a lot of the pre-work. I mean, uh, I think one of the things I took away from the program was this idea that directing is not really done on set. Like directing is what you're doing and everything leading up to the actual shoot. You know, yes. the, the, all the prep work, all the blocking and, and uh, angles planning and, you know, storyboards and and uh, um, and doing lookbooks and, and all these other pieces of information that, that you're doing as pre-work leading up to, all right, now we're here to shoot this scene. And like that's five to 10 percent of the actual process is just that that actual shoot. Like the majority of it is what you do leading up to it and the more you, the more work you do up front and the, the better work you do up front the better 
it is when you get on set because it'll correct. just it'll just flow into place for I the most agree. part yeah <laughs> <laughs> then you just get to be problem solver for the two or three things that pop up and you know are glaring emissions or issues or somebody doesn't show up on time or something like that i agree i mean i've had challenges on on the set with actors that need to leave just in a certain time mm-hmm. actors leaving and coming back and i made them promise to come back and they did and but in between that time and what a big gap that was, what are we doing? Yeah. And I don't want to waste any moment of time. And uh, even though I did a shot list, nothing was perfect. And I don't think I, I, I have to go into this thinking that, yeah, nothing is perfect. And we have to think on our feet mm-hmm. and make the best of what we've got. And we can't just cry about what we don't have. Right. We got to work with what we got. Right. So I think that's what I. I think it worked. Yeah. <laughs> I think it worked. Got a good response <laughs> for the final screening. So that was good. Yeah, it's always great to see it in front of an audience. Yeah. Like that's my that is my favorite part of any of these. Pro- like the process is great. I I enjoy it. Like, but my favorite part is still sitting in and hearing an audience respond to it. And I, honestly, good or bad. Like even if it's a bad response, I still. I feel like I learned the most from hearing how people respond to the thing. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, I'm that guy that if and when I do get a feature in theaters, I will buy 20 tickets to it and go see it 20 times and just sit in with audiences and like take a notebook in and just mark down like, oh, this worked. Oh, this got a laugh here. I wasn't expecting that or, you know. Yeah. Uh, and just kind of hear different audiences, different places, how they respond to it. Cause yeah. That would be entertaining to me. You know. Yeah. But I, I do wonder, and I think Trevor had pointed this out to me, uh, that maybe the audience was kind of influenced by the previous films. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. Because we've noticed that when we do like 48-hour film festival or something like that. And we have... That, that, that project is tough because everybody gets a different genre. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you get tasked with something like uh, horror or suspense or something like that. And... Oftentimes, the other films in front of you might have like Western or musical or comedy or dark comedy. And there's a ton that are comedy related. Mm -hmm. And if you try and do something really heavy after something comedic, you're going to get laughs in it, no matter whether you intended for those laughs to be there or not. (laughs) Like they just they just come. And so we got to a point where we're like, we're just going to focus on comedy. Like even when we get horror, it's a horror comedy. Like there there are comedic elements in it so that we can at least get the payoff of that. Yeah. kind of roll in from from the previous group uh yeah. it, it just makes it easier when we get to kind of bank on those things well that's true i mean there's a fine line between horror and comedy yeah oh yeah so they go hand in hand right there one, <laughs> one is you build suspense and then like scare it out of you and the other is you build suspense and then get a laugh out of it so that's true pretty similar yeah but so what's your what's your long-term goal what are you trying to get out of having done this now What's what's next up? What's next? I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to keep on writing, mm-hmm. most definitely. And I'm going to keep uh, in contact with my friends and my cohorts. Mm-hmm. Hopefully they will want to keep in contact with me. <laughs> <laughs> we will. I mean, if when you make it... <laughs> Look at me when you make I feel, it. I feel like you, you've given me this, this talk multiple times already. When you get a job someplace and you need to hire people. <laughs> Pull me in. <laughs> I think it is about, it's a, 
about collaboration and mm-hmm. it is about networking. Yeah. Uh, but then, you know, you just, you write, you write, you write, and then will it go anywhere? My fear is I learned all these wonderful stuff and I did learn, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, will I not use what I just learned? Right. And it, that would be a shame because I learned so much craft, very specific craft. Yeah. And I do want to utilize everything. I think it's a gift. Yeah. I think it's wonderful. <laughs> it takes work to get to this point a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, the next thing to do is to find out, maybe talk to someone the, about my short film. Is it ready mm-hmm. for a short film? Because maybe I do have some sound issues. Do I have to mm. ADR some things? Yeah. What is the challenges? And is it okay? Should I just throw it in there? Because it, film festivals are not free. No. I mean, it's 50 bucks or 60. I mean, that's per film festival, depending yeah. on how big it is. And when you submit and all that, yeah. Well, yeah. And if, they, if it's not good enough and they're not going to s- accept it because of these sound issues... I'm just throwing away money. I'm yeah. burning burning the money for nothing right. <laughs> that I could use to make another film. I'm not quite sure. I mean, I have no idea where my life is going, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> it's scary. Yeah. I am scared. Don't you got to get a little excited for it, too, because it could take whatever turn you, you turn. You know, the next corner could be the right one. Oh, that's true. I mean, I might want to even take uh, Dale's class. Did you get that email? About the screenwriting? Yeah, it's a continuous uh, writing for TV and film. Mm-hmm. And our school, the graduates can actually take that class, an extension. It's a natural extension to yeah. where we're going. And if we're w- whatever we're working on, it's another eye. Right. It's Dale eyes and plus the other classmates. Mm-hmm whoever they are, uh, they might have a fresh new eye about things. Yeah. They might have a lot of experience. They might not have any experience. It's just a hodgepodge kind of thing. <laughs> but yeah. it's, I, I'm kind of serious about bu- taking that, yeah. that class. I might, might take more mm-hmm. improv classes. When you're, you said you were going to go for the, the fellowship again too, right? The, or the, uh, the Bob Curry fellowship. Yeah. I might. I mean, it's coming up. The yeah. the application is January second. Okay. I have to Got about a prepare week, my headshot. Yeah. And my resume. Yep. And uh, I mean, I think it's there. Um, I have to really look at what they want. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't think I'm ready. I don't know. It's coming up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, it's, it would be a natural extension if i do get accepted mm-hmm. and it'd be wonderful there so that's that's the performance side to go along with like now you've had the behind the camera piece and then it would be the the other half you're of the, correct of the story and they picked 16 yeah fellows and it is a concentration of writing mm-hmm. comedy writing it's not just performing um and then i mean i went to the workshop and it was fun yeah it was good they na- they uh, prepared us for certain games that they would play, mm-hmm. like bus stop and hell yeah and <laughs> and baloney. 
I think it's almost like bullshit. Yeah. Alert. But they're just, uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Was, uh, telling lies or, or versus telling truth. I think it's kind of like that. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, yeah, you have to make choices. In the sometimes, and sell them. well, sometimes my head kind of freezes <laughs> and I just look kind of blank and I, I feel like I look like an idiot. <laughs> just, <laughs> you know. But sometimes a scene needs that breather. Yeah. You know, well, <laughs> uh, the one thing I got from in, back in DC that I still love for improv is that uh, everybody loves a loser. So if you're if you're the if you're the one who's quote unquote losing in the scene, like not that you're doing the scene badly, but like your character is the one that's kind of getting kicked around or or is the one that's uh, that's, you know, confused or or uh, the dumb one on, on stage. Like everybody loves that character because that's the one that always gets the, the laugh. Yeah. And so <laughs> and it's 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 weird to watch a show where everybody's trying to be that character. Yeah. You know, it's like if, if you can fall into that role in something like it you can sell it a lot more and so sometimes it's uh it's easy to take any nerves or any like concern or, or that feeling that you have like like you feel if it's lost or or um you know you're you don't know what to say next or something like that sometimes if you lean into that like you'll you'll find a character you'll find the empathetic kind of either dumb character or uh, or, or you know, confused character or something like that that the audience will end up loving. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, have you seen that uh, the Bucky, the famous Bucky performance on uh, online? Um, there's a show. So this troupe called Bucky and up in New York, and they did a show where they um, one guy comes out and he just is immediately apologizing to this other person and just saying sorry and. and they establish that it's a military thing. He's like a military private and the other person's a high ranking officer or, or somebody with the, the government. And he's just, and he eventually pulls up a chair and sits him down. But the other person never talks because initially the guy doesn't give him a chance to put a word in edgewise. Like oh. he's just, he's just rolling the whole time. And then yeah. it becomes a game of nobody else talks. There's one person talking through this whole like half hour set. Uh, and all he's doing is like, and they're, they're changing out. And then there's this whole scene where, uh, like assassins come in and try and kill him, and okay. like, and it's and it's just it's it's nuts, but it's it's incredible because it is just an entire team supporting one person by saying nothing, and just kind of abandoning him as a group. Wow, <laughs> to a certain degree, like they're they're all still out there with him, and there's still somebody for him to respond to, but it makes it funny just by letting him do all the talking. And so he he gets he's, he just gets a ton of laughs out of that whole show, and he's the only one who says a word the entire time. Yeah, um, I'll have to find the video and send it to you. But it's it's oh. like um, uh, with improvisers, like it's it's one of those shows. Have you ever seen that Bucky show? Oh yeah, like it's <laughs> and it's such a weird one because it's being supportive by saying nothing. Like you always think that it's supportive to come out and say something to rescue the person that's kind of lost on it, but in that case, they're being supportive by keeping their mouth shut. And just letting him kind of flounder on purpose. <laughs> that's that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I, for me, I watch that and I'm like, I could not do what that guy does. Like, I don't, I, I'm not of that just endless fountain of information that you can just continually pump out. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, on stage, um, I'm, I'm fits and spurts, but I like yeah. <laughs> dropping something in 
Yeah, yeah, me too. You know, noticing that scene and, and seeing, oh, it's missing this element. Like, you know, watching a scene and they haven't established where it is and then coming over the intercom and like, welcome to Walmart or something, you know, something that just gives them that extra little piece that they need. Yeah. Uh, or, uh, you know, they establish their uh, out on, on the river or something like that. And I just go out and I drop a fishing pole in and I'm just fishing over in the corner. Sometimes they acknowledge me. Sometimes they don't. Totally fine. Like, it's just adding to the, the scene. Just adding the ambiance to go along with it. That's true. Yeah. That's, that's my character type. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I got to watch that then. Yeah. I'll have to track that one down and send it to you. It's pretty easy me. to find. Like, it's it's like I said, it's like a classic one for improvisers. Uh, that I've, I've known about it for two or three years, I think, uh, and somebody showed it to me. Uh, I want to say it was one of my... Might have been one of my improv teachers back in the day. Oh, okay. Back in the day, way back when. Back in, back in my day. <laughs> Tony, you're not that old. Come on. <laughs> I, I, we, we were on the uh, on the older side of our of our cohort. <laughs> you, me, and Max, the three of us. <laughs> yeah. As, uh, which is is interesting coming at it this late on, you know, um, and we're not alone. There was. Uh, Mike and Jan, both in their cohort, they were both over thirty, and uh, and past classes. There's there's been, I want to say there was one class that there was somebody that was in their fifties, maybe I can't remember. Jill, 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 yeah, it was Jill, yeah, yeah. So we're not we're not alone. We're not we're not <laughs> old old people. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, not yet. But all right, so. From this, trying to go in, you want to do more more training. What what's the end goal? What would you like to create at the end of this? Yeah, at the end of your learning journey, say you get to a point where you're ready. All right, I want to go make my magnum opus. What what is that? I I don't know. I mean, I had a okay. So the the thing that kind of inspired me to apply for this school. Mm-hmm. I I sold my house uh, like five years ago when I was working as a tour guide. I'm not living in my house. I'm living on Catalina Island at that time, and it was just empty. And in the process of my selling my house, I had to pack up my stuff, throw away a lot of stuff, and put it in a storage unit. Mm -hmm. And in my papers, I found some high school writing and uh we in english class oh, we, you remember where do you see yourself in five years where yeah. do you see, see yourself in 10 years mm-hmm. and i specifically wrote down i wanted to be a performer the first asian female performer on saturday night live mm-hmm. and i just thought wow i was an idiot <laughs> that's a big goal I mean, and it's still a possibility. Yeah, that's because the, my gosh, that's the sad part. <laughs> this is 2018, and they still still haven't had a an Asian female uh, performer, at least not Southeast Asian. Because I think I don't know if like Nassim Pedrad technically counts from, but that's like Middle East. Well, we have close is Rob Schneider. Yeah, Hawaiian is he? Maybe I don't know Pacific. He plays he plays Hawaiian in Fifty First Dates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, missing an eye. But even but even then it's a it's it's a guy. It's still not a, a woman for it. You're correct. I thought I I was of the mindset. I thought Tian Tran 
uh, former main stage uh, performer here. I yeah. thought she was a lock for it because she was. Did she did she go for it? I, uh, like I audition? I don't know that she got an audition, but I like they came through here when they were looking for this last round to bring people in. Yeah, and and they and they saw her, and they also saw Emily Fightmaster, and they didn't take either one of them. They took a couple other people as like writers, and I think one. I want to say one of the new performers was from Chicago. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, they, they didn't. And I was it just surprised oh. me because I was like, she seems so good. There must be, there's either something missing or she's a duplication of something that's on there. Cause you run into that with, with casting where you'll get two people that come up for something that are both great. Yeah. And it's like, well, I only have one role, so I have yeah. to pick one of them. So the other one's kind of left out in the cold, so to speak. And it's not that they did anything wrong. It's yeah. just that for whatever reason, the other person was a slightly better fit. Uh, and so I may, I, I, in my head, maybe it's that, maybe there was just somebody else that was just slightly more what they needed at that moment. Uh, but yeah, it's still, it was like, Oh, she's so good. <laughs> well, what more can you be if you're female Asian Yeah, and they don't have one? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, you know, when I was reading that article about Aquafina as a guest yeah, and hasn't, there hasn't been an Asian guest or a female Asian guest since Lucy Liu in 1995, or yeah. I'm not quite sure how long. It was just a I big... Say, did Margaret Cho ever host when she was when she had her first big kind of run there? I'm not quite sure, but I was... Uh, according limited, to this yeah. article with Aquafina. Yeah, yeah. The That's last the one was like Lucy Liu. Mid-2000s, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just... Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> but now you, we're coming out more. Sandra Oh is going to be hosting first female Asian host for what is it the, the Emmys or oh is she yeah okay or something like that I I I think it's Emmys okay interesting I don't think it's the Oscars no I it was I'm trying to remember which one it was that uh, Kevin Hart was supposed to uh, and then the the whole backlash thing I wonder if that if she took his spot. I can't remember. I'm I have to look it up. Sure. But yeah, Sandra. Okay. Yeah. She was on a she was on a podcast that I listened to. She was in that uh, movie uh, Catfight, mm -hmm. and she was on uh, the podcast Doug Loves Movies, which is one of my favorites. Uh, and the other woman that was in that, and I forget the actress's name, um, what like showed up. She and the director both showed up kind of drunk and were just made fools out of themselves, and the host had to kick them off. Okay. Like kick them off the show during the show. He's, I've only seen him do it like two or three times or heard heard episodes where he's done two or three times. Uh, but he had to kick both of them off. But he kept Sandra O there. He was like, she was lovely. <laughs> she, was, oh <laughs> she was great. The other two are complete assholes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and hasn't I think he had the director come back one time and kicked him off again. And he was like, never again. Like, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, no. So she's she's apparently lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I want to meet her. She was able to deal with uh, with that situation and navigate it, and still come off as the as the the good person in the mix. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I do really feel that the Asian face is underrepresented. Oh yeah, in the entertainment business, and I wanted to do my part. So my short film was a little story about me and what happened to me in high school, and yeah, I'm glad it was. Well received. <laughs> yeah, kind of a catharsis. To well, go yeah. Over there. yeah, it was a healing process. Every time I tried to 
complete it or revise it, I would cry. <laughs> it was just not a, <laughs> it's a messy process that I w went through. And yeah. I can see why most writers are alcoholics and, <laughs> you know. <laughs> to deal with it, yeah. To deal with and numb your feelings. And yeah. then, uh, but I'm not an alcoholic. Yeah. I'm not a drinker. I don't like, I have the Asian glow. <laughs> All the time. So you look healthy. No, it's just red. <laughs> tomato. Just a little, just a little tomato red. Face look. Every once in a while. Yeah. <laughs> I don't feel good when I drink. <laughs> I don't. I do envy my white cohorts that can drink heavy. I try not to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not talking about you. Tony. No, but uh, but I try not to for the same reason. Like, I, it's not that I feel bad while I'm doing it. It's, it's the next day and the next like three or four days, like afterwards, where it's like, oh, like graduation week last, not last week, but the week before. Yeah, there was a lot of drinking, and it was. Oh, <laughs> this week was a recovery week. Yeah, <laughs> not only from classes, but from the partying, from the class, from finishing everything. <laughs> well, you c it's a social thing. Yeah. And you feel pressured to drink because you're with friends and they're drinking. And <laughs> you're like, come on, join. You'll have fun. Well, uh, in wrapping up here, uh, if people want to try and track you down on social media and see what stuff you're working on, see if you do end up uh, making it for Bob Curry or, or uh, whatever the next step may be, where can they find you? Okay. So I'm in Facebook as Cindy Lowe, uh, C-I-N-D-Y-L-O-W-E. Um, I'm not going to accept strangers as <laughs> For Instagram friends. or anything like that. Instagram, you can find me at Happy Sea Monkey. C, just the letter C, right? The letter C, yeah. not S-E-A, the Happy Letter C Monkey. And then uh, you can find me in LinkedIn. Yeah, because yeah. they had us build that as part of the program, <laughs> build out the LinkedIn page. Yeah, and with my same name, Cindy Lowe. And uh, I have a Twitter account, but I'm not on it. Yeah. I'm the same way. I, my Twitter account just duplicates what my Instagram posts. <laughs> I don't even just know. lazy. I don't even know if I have. I, I mean, I think I still have Twitter because I still have my email. Yeah. It says I have notifications. They don't delete it. It just goes unused. <laughs> well, cool. Well, hey, I appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Tony, for having me. It was fun. I appreciate it. <laughs> That was Cindy Lowe. Thank you to Cindy and to the Harold Ramis Film School and the Second City staff for their help. The song on this week's episode was My Heart by Brave Like Us. Get their newest album, Odyssey, on iTunes now. The show is recorded and edited by me, Tony Lazzaroni. If you want to hear more from me and my classmates, teachers, and a few special guests, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. If you have questions or comments, send us an email at filmstudentpod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram at filmstudentpod. And be sure to check out some of my and my classmates' work at filmstudentpod.com where you can also find links to all of our past episodes. See you all next week. Class dismissed.